You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, y'all? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. What up, y'all? It is Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, it has been a minute since we've done this. A little little over two months since we released our last episode, but uh, I mean, for me, life hit me pretty hard. (laughs) I don't know about you, Corey, but I had yet another knee surgery for tearing my ACL for the third time. Hopefully, fingers crossed, third time's a charm, and I don't have to go through this again. Corey, Corey, how you been, man? I'm solid, bro. I'm just glad to be on the pod. Um, It's been a minute, like you said, but, you know, we had to we had to recharge the old batteries, you know. We had to take a little brisake. You know, life, like you said, hit us a little hard, but at the same time, you know, we just kind of had to like figure things out, but I feel like, you know, it's only going to make this uh, podcast stronger than ever. So I feel like, you know, taking a little break, try to figure out like the formatting and stuff like that, and then come back stronger than ever. So happy to be back, ready to talk some sports, ready to get into it all, like, like usual. Let's get it. Well, let's start going straight into the nfl nfl i mean season's coming down to the stretch right now we got four more weeks left on the regular season and then the playoff push is crazier than ever and i think the addition of that one more spot that they added this year to have seven teams in each conference is making it all the more competitive i mean you look at the uh, the conferences right now you have the afc division leaders are the steelers 11 and 1 now they're not undefeated anymore. <laughs> Washington football team took care of that, but um, they're most likely they're most likely to win the division. Uh, Chiefs at eleven and one as well, most likely to win the division. Bills are sitting at nine and three now. Um, the Titans are sitting at eight and four, and then you have the wild card, three wild card spots now instead of two. You have the Browns sitting at nine and three, Dolphins sitting at eight and four, and Colts sitting at eight and four. And then in the race for the AFC, you have the Raiders at seven and five. Ravens at six and five. They play Tuesday night against the Cowboys and then the Patriots at six and six. And then you have the NFC NFC division leaders are the Saints 10 and two, most likely to win their division Packers nine and three, most likely going to win their division Rams eight and four Giants seven and five as a division leader. Um, And then you have the wild card spots, Seahawks eight and four Buccaneers seven and five Vikings six and six. And then in the race, you have the Cardinals at six and six. Niners at five and seven just lost the Bills on Monday night, and then Bears five and seven, Lions five at seven. So I mean, coming down to the stretch, we got a couple more weeks, and it feels like those wild card spots are up, up for grabs. Yeah, completely agree with you. Especially like, uh, like you said, adding in the the wild card just makes a total difference. And uh, and now like teams that you kind of didn't like normally expect to be in like the playoff hunt. Like you said, it adds another dynamic to it. And also you didn't even mention it, but um, the race to get that, that buy is crucial. Like you said, the the Steelers caught an L for the first time in this season. 
Um, I'm sure the Chiefs were at home just licking their lips, licking their chops like, thank you, God. That's all we need. We need them to just lose one more game and then we right there to get a first round bye. Because, I mean, like normally you had like the first, uh, the two, the one, number one and number two seed get a first round bye. But this year it's just the number one seeds of each conference. So, I mean, the race to get that number one seed is, is big. So, uh, both conferences, you know, those top teams are going to be trying to really push hard to make sure that they solidify themselves so that way they can get at least one week off and a bit of rest because um, right now it's coming quick and fast and it doesn't seem like the NFL, like COVID or no COVID, does not seem like the NFL is trying to reschedule any games whatsoever or cancel any games whatsoever. So it seems like, you know, uh, the show must go on. So I can't wait to see how these uh, next few weeks turn out, but so far, I've been really uh, surprised by what I've been seeing so far. And some stuff, I'm kind of like, yeah, saw that coming. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the Steelers right now have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, but they have a tough schedule, a tough last four games coming up. Um, and, yeah, like you said, I think the NFL, I mean, it goes both ways. I think they've done some poor jobs in handling situations, but at the same time, you have to give them credit where credit is due in the fact that there has been no game cancellations. So shout out to the NFL. That. But I'm still not going to give them full credit because they've done some stupid shit as well. Well, too. I mean, it's the NFL. So, I mean, at the end right. of the day, the NFL is going to do what the NFL is going to do. And we can't expect them to, to not try to miss out on a chance to, you know, cause I mean, like, like we've been, you know, talking about throughout the entire COVID uh, situation is like every league, every team, they're trying to do whatever they possibly can to make sure that they keep the doors open, do whatever they possibly can to make sure that they don't lose any sort of revenue and just do whatever they possibly can to make sure that they're able to make some type of money. Cause right now that's pretty much the, the, the motivation for everybody to still continue to go out there, even though we're in a pandemic right now. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you guys remember, but in episode 49, me and Corey had a full episode where we made some preseason predictions about how we thought the the season would pan out. And I know the season's not done yet, but I think with four more weeks left and about three quarters of the season done, we can kind of see how it's going to turn out. So, I mean, let's talk about some of our predictions, some of the best ones, some of the worst ones, some of the craziest ones. So let's start off with the prediction that you hit the nail on the head, your best prediction, Corey, would you have? Uh, I said before the season started that the Steelers were going to be at top of the AFC North and Ben Waffelsberger was going to be comeback player of the year. I felt like last season, um, when they had Mason Rudolph, um, that the, their one number one Achilles heel was offensively, and they just didn't seem as if they had some sort of offense. And if they would have had a quarterback, they would have just gotten into the playoffs that year. But unfortunately, obviously, Big Ben wasn't available. He went down early in the season, and it kind of exposed the fact that they just, as a team, relied so heavily on him being under center and their quarterback and it's no surprise that he comes back this year. And I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback. I'm not saying he's been, you know, you know, just lighting it up and has been just torching it up like Mahomes or anything. But he's been consistent. He's been consistent. I felt that um, he knows that team up and down. That is his team. I felt also that when you look at the fact that uh, the Steelers with Mike Tomlin uh, – 
had a top-tier defense last year. You still bring that top-tier defense to this year, and they've been showing out. They've been still playing hard, still playing well. Um, also like the fact that on offense, uh, a team that, like I said, was kind of heavily reliant on, uh, you know, the run game and didn't really have any sort of passing game, like, you know, guys like Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster were really starving and just not able to get any touches. Now it seems like the offense is kind of opening up a little bit. It seems like, you know, you got, you know, the rookie sensation Chase uh, Claypool, who's like been just lighting it up throughout this entire season, uh, has kind of allowed for, you know, Juju to get more touches and the offense to kind of open up a bit. I think the only thing I would say for the Steelers is that they just need to kind of develop the run game a little bit more and they would be a little bit more of a deadly threat offensively. But other than that, I feel like the Steelers, for me, um, that was the the pick that I kind of felt really confident with uh, going with because I know a lot of people were they probably expecting the, the Ravens to run it back and to have another dominating season. But I just felt like this was uh, – this was the Steelers' time to come back and reassert themselves in a very, very uh, interesting AFC North division. Out of all predictions, I hate that you had to get that one right. <laughs> I know. I know. Me, me personally, as a Ravens fan, that would hurt. Uh, I, I know. Mean, I, as, as much as I dislike the Steelers' part, just because I'm a Ravens fan, uh, I mean, I got to give them credit where credit's due. So good for them. Um, my prediction that I hit the nail on the head, I'm going to go with the whole NFC North division. I was looking back on it, and I was just like, damn, I actually you know, predicted this pretty well. I had the Packers going 11-5. and five. They're 9-3 and three right now with maybe the MVP of the league right now, and Aaron Rodgers, dude, has been crazy. And, I mean, their defense has been playing well. I mean, maybe not against the run, but it's a lot better than it was last year. And um, Matt LaFleur underrated coach and could be in contention for coach of the year this year. Went 13 and three last year in his first year and, um, or sorry, his second year. And then uh, now he is nine and three so far. And then the Vikings, I have them, I had them at nine and seven to end the year and they're six and six right now. So that one was kind of hazy, but I mean, I think anything is still possible, but I think the biggest thing on this team is the rookie sensation Justin Jefferson is to be credited with why they are sitting at 500 right now. He's arguably been the best wide receiver in this rookie class in a stacked wide receiver rookie class. Um, and he's a perfect compliment to Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins. And I think this defense, I mean, you look at the beginning of the season, they look so much more different. No Michael Pierce, he opted out, traded Yannick Ngakwe, Daniil Hunter, Mike Hughes, Anthony Barr, all on injury reserve. And then you have Dalvin Cook, who's having an MVP-like season, ranks second in rushing yards and has a total of 14 touchdowns, which leads all running back positions. So, I mean, they could make a late playoff push. And then you have the Bears. I said eight and eight. They're at five and seven right now. Defense is really the only bright spot on this team. Like I said in the preseason, Mitch Trubisky got a second chance after being benched for Nick Foles, but isn't really showing up pretty usual. And I said it in the predictions, and I'll say it again. I won't be surprised if Trubisky and Matt Nagy are not on this team next year. And then last, the Lions. I have them at six and ten. They're five and seven right now. Stafford's gonna put up the big numbers but doesn't really have help from his defense and it doesn't help that so many like his starters are injured Kenny Galladay missing seven games so far DeAndre Swift missing three games so far so this offseason they're still kind of in rebuild mode and I think they just need to focus on bolstering up that defense let's talk about the predictions that we might have been on some shit when we made it (laughs) a little uh 
cracked out or something but let's talk about our worst predictions i'll go first and uh <laughs> looking back on this i'm like what the hell are you thinking kush i said the cowboys are going 13 and 3 and they're sitting last in the division I'm gonna, the worst my, i mean you might not be off i mean you just had the numbers wrong instead of right. 13 I'm, and I'm 3 it might be 3 and 13 right right <laughs> And I mean, they always look good on paper before the season starts. And I always think that this is the year they're going to finally turn things around. I mean, 2020, 2020. I mean, I was kind of like right there with you. I felt like, yo, like Cowboys might be on some crazy stuff. But to be fair, losing Dak Prescott to that gruesome injury doesn't help at all. But I don't understand why this team continuously focuses on the offense, knowing that their defense is one of the worst in the league. Like, I get it. You you had the best offense last season and put up the most amount of yards. Great. Now, <laughs> now help the defense out. And they went in the first round and got CD Lamb, which I don't blame them like for the value of that pick. But I mean, I feel like they're too busy going after the has-beens for cheap contracts in hopes that they'll kind of turn back the clock. I mean, you look at Alden Smith. They tried to sign HaHa Clinton Dix. They ended up cutting him. And I mean, they're just going after those guys when I think that needed either – spend the money in the off season or with or with their draft capital trade for a player um cough cough should have gone after jamal adams or drafts with a first round pick i mean they've been they hit the nail on the head with their first round picks on defense recently leighton vander esch byron jones and um for for a first year coach like mike mccarthy it doesn't look that good but no defense and he really doesn't have an offense with no dak prescott and an injury plagued o-line so 13 and 3, probably going to go 3 and 13. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is like, even though they're like doing so bad, they still have a small chance of winning that division and getting into the playoffs. And none and, of those guys should be allowed in the <laughs> playoffs. And the funny thing is, is like, I keep saying, like, I feel like one, like, whoever comes out like the division winner for the NFC East, I feel like they will sneak somebody in the first round and maybe I was just going to say that they're going to give someone their run for their money, (laughs) especially if it's a giants or or a football team, Washington. Oof. I I I would hate to play like anybody in the NFC East, the first round. I would hate to have that matchup. Yeah. All right, Corey, what was your prediction that you were probably cracked out on? Shout out to Kyle Fulbright, but I thought that the chargers we're going to go 10 and six and make the playoffs this year. I was thinking that like with Tyrod Taylor at the helm, I thought he's going to be a nice little cushion blanket for Justin Herbert to kind of sit back and kind of develop under lo and behold, they punctured my man's lung and Justin Herbert had to get thrown in a little too early. But I mean, this team to be fair could easily be uh, have nine or eight wins if they would just, you know, seal the deal seems like they're like that that team that gets right there, right there, right there, and they're in the game the whole game, and then boom, they just lose it at the at the end. And it's like, man, like I don't know. I, I feel like it's worse. It's almost worse than the Jets because the Chargers give their fans hope every single week that they can win, and then it's like at the last minute, it's just like, nah, bro, you thought, you thought. So, but. I think that's just the LAC thing. Like you look at the LAC Chargers, LAC Clippers. I, I don't think that's, know. It's, it's just I don't know. Thing. I don't know. But they're three and nine right now. Obviously, don't seem like they're gonna make the playoffs this year. But I'm like I said. I mean, Justin Herbert looks like he's been the bright spot for them so far, and what has been a very disappointing season. But overall, I feel like 
Um, if he doesn't get rookie of the year, uh, he's definitely going to be like right there to get it. I feel like he's played a lot more games and he's gotten a lot more experience uh, with Joe Burrow going down. I think he will be the front runner to get offensive rookie of the year, but we'll see how that turns out. But overall, I just feel like um, one of the big problems with the Chargers has been obviously the coaching of Anthony Lynn. And I don't know, I, I, like I try to give this guy, you know, some passes in the benefit of the doubt. But if I'm going to be on Adam Gase's head and talk about how how does Adam Gase have a job in this league, um, I kind of have to pose that question to Anthony Lynn as well because of some of the decision making and especially late game decision making that he's had uh, for this team that has just really, really failed so many times week in and week out. So, I mean, uh, it's been pretty sad for the Chargers so far. I didn't have confidence picking them to to go and do this. It just felt like, you know, maybe they had a shot to cause some craziness and uh, surprise some people in that division, but uh, didn't didn't turn out exactly how I thought it would. So with our next prediction, prediction that we're going to say – that we kind of threw a fishing line at it and didn't think we'd get a bite, but we did get a bite. And this is our craziest prediction that was actually accurate. I'm going to tell you, told you so Corey, because I had the charges going five and 11 and they're three and nine right now. And I know a lot of charger fans came after me after that episode talking like, really man, five and 11. And the thing is, is I want better for the charges in their fan base. I feel for them, but the reason why I had him at 5'11", and I mean, it just goes to show, is they're hit by the injury plague almost every single year. And it's not fair to criticize them, but it is fair to criticize them after seeing Anthony Lynn's coaching throughout the season as well, too. Especially seeing that, what, seven games or six games were decided by one possession, and except the last two, which were an absolute shit show. And like you said, after Adam Gase he might be the worst head coach based off of this season. And Adam Gase, I get why he has his job. They're trying to secure that number one pick. So they're like, let's keep this guy because he's so bad at coaching that he's going to secure us number one. Anthony Lynn actually just came out on Monday saying that the front office isn't looking to go in a different direction, even though his clock management has been garbage and some of his play calling to, uh, down the stretch of game has been absolute garbage. So, I know on paper before every season, they always look good, but I knew their injury history in the past. And that's why I had said they're going five and 11. And um, you can't say I didn't say so charger fans. Corey, what was your prediction for the craziest prediction that you actually were accurate on? Hey, I, I might, I might just need to go to Vegas or something because this prediction right here, I was not confident, but as the season, like after the first game, I kind of started getting belief. And especially with Tua Tagovailoa at the helm, I really am on the full-on Miami Dolphin train now for sure. Uh, I have the Dolphins going to the playoffs um, and not just making the playoffs. I have them winning the division at 8-8 eight and eight before the season started. Um, they could still win the division. Kind of don't see it happening, though. I feel like the Bills are probably going to take it. But, hey, I feel like this team is confidently a playoff team. I mean, you just seem like how – They've been playing, and it's not just like a one guy or a one or two guy situation. It's the whole entire team. Like their defense is on point, um, and and we we kind of like said it like uh, maybe Brian Flores is coach of the year candidate, and he's definitely been a coach of the year candidate if you ask me. And it's kind of crazy like how you look at how his career kind of first started, and it didn't seem like things were going well, and this. 
definitely felt like a rebuilding year for them, but for whatever reason, they did not get the memo <laughs> and they just have been playing lights out and they've been playing pretty solid football. I'm not saying they're like the best team. I'm not saying they're the flashiest team, but they've had a lot of different crazy plays. Like they had that special teams play uh, <laughs> punt return. <laughs> like that was the first time all season I seen like a punt return, get returned for a touchdown. And I'm like, lo and behold, guess who it's the dolphins that do that. So I'm like, man, like dolphins really just have shocked me in so many different ways. Um, especially when they decide to switch out Fitzpatrick for Tua, I kind of was like, are they not trying to win now? Or are they trying to just, you know, secure a draft pick? But Tua, to his credit, really hasn't – he hasn't been uh, – he's only had like maybe one or two games where, you know, the NFL kind of hit him hard. Uh, and it kind of was like a culture shock. But other than that, he's been pretty solid overall. And that's all you want to see out of your rookie quarterback is just be solid and don't make – don't make stupid uh, uh, mistakes and, you know, just have good decision-making with the football and just protect the ball and make sure that your team is marching up the field and getting points by any means necessary. And so far, I mean, to the Dolphins' credit, I mean, we talked about, like, a few, epi- uh, a few episodes ago, like how, the, you know, before the Jamal Adams trade, how the Jets should be taking onus on this opportunity with no Tom Brady um, and the Patriots kind of seeming up in arms to try and go after the division. I think the Dolphins got your message because they were saying, yo, maybe we could take this division and try to, you know, make some noise this year. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know why, but Miami, Miami is just, they just on and popping. The Marlins was popping this year. The heat was popping this year. So, I mean, the Dolphins was like, why not? Why not? Yeah, I thought you were pretty crazy for that prediction, but I mean, it's, it's been good so far. I mean, you said what eight and eight, so I mean they're eight and four right now. So they're either gonna hit your prediction or overachieve your prediction. So. <laughs> for real, oh man, they <laughs> lose four games and don't make the playoffs. I'll be like, damn it. All right, let's go- talk about the next prediction, which is our predictions we were most disappointed with. Corey, who was yours? So before the season started. Um, I had the Texans making the playoffs at nine and seven. I thought that the AFC South was going to be a three-way, uh, three-horse race. I thought it was going to be the Titans, the Texans, and um, the, the Colts. Colts. Yeah, the Colts. And I thought that uh, the Colts were going to win the division at nine and seven, but I thought that the the Texans were going to somehow find themselves in the playoffs. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. My thinking was that Bill O'Brien uh, was that O'Brien was going to get fired like way early on. Then he got fired, um, and I thought that they were going to make the uh, the coaching change. I was going to kind of like rally up the troops a little bit, get everybody galvanized, and they were going to like you know go on a crazy run. And I just felt like Deshaun Watson was going to you know carry this team on his back, similarly to how Russell Wilson was carrying the Seahawks on his back, even though they didn't have you know the greatest of defenses the greatest of offensive line, the greatest of receivers, the greatest of running backs, whatever the case may be. Russell Wilson was still somehow, some way trying to get his team into the postseason, but Deshaun Watson clearly is not Russell Wilson. And another prediction that I had that I was very disappointed by that uh, because I had the Texans going nine and seven, um, they, in my prediction, had bounced out the Browns who went nine and seven. And they, I had the Brownies missing the playoffs, which I've, kind of like disappointed looking back because they were very quiet in the offseason they had a very quiet offseason they didn't make a whole lot of noise they weren't going crazy they weren't saying that they were going to do this or that and I felt like the Browns to their credit sitting at 
a comfortable nine and three right now, definitely looking like they're going to make the postseason this year, unless, you know, something just crazy happens, but they haven't been the greatest team this season. Baker Mayfield has been inconsistent with his play, but he's had moments. He's had moments where he's looked like, yo, that is a dude right there. That's a quarterback right there. And I mean, they've just, they kind of gone under the radar, which I think is a good thing for them. And I think that's good. Uh, news for uh, I think Browns fans and they haven't been like this flashy team they haven't been this crazy team they haven't been um this team that has been like oh look at us look at us look at us they've just been a team that's just gone by their business and they've just been putting W's and just racking up wins and I think that at the end of the day you got to give Cleveland their credit and if they're able to get into the postseason man how long has it been since the Browns been in the playoffs that'd be just an interesting sight and a total 2020 thing to see the Browns in the playoffs yeah, and for the Texans, the sad part is even though their season is so disappointing, they don't even have their first-round pick. That goes to the Miami Dolphins. So it's like you can't even tank because what are you tanking for? You don't have your first-round pick. So and the, and the guy they, they, that they fired was the reason that that happened. That's the funny thing. It's like you fired the man who got rid of your first-round pick. That sucks. And second-round pick. And your top, your top wide receiver and your first-round pick. So it's like, thanks, Bill. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> The prediction I'm going to go with, I mean, I wanted to go with my Ravens because I predicted them to win the AFC North, but that's not happening. But I thought a crazier one that I had looking back on it was the Buccaneers going 15-1. and one. <laughs> yeah, I was crazy to think that they would go 15-1 and one and only lose one game. I mean, you look at it on paper, these guys look phenomenal on offense in every single aspect of it. And defense was my main concern, but actually the script has been completely flipped. Their defense has been pretty damn good, but their offense isn't playing to the elite level that we thought they'd be playing at. And like their defense is a top 10 defense in the league with the number one run defense in the league. So, I mean, that's the crazy part, but I think right now their biggest concern, because they're still going to make the playoffs. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure about that, but I mean, you're not going against the easiest teams in the playoffs if you do make it. Um, but so, so I think really their biggest concern is their passing defense and their rushing offense. So, if I mean, if they can step that up and Bruce Arians can get it together, maybe they make a late run. I mean, they do have the GOAT on their team in Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, as long as Tom Brady remembers what down it is, then they'll be straight. But at the same time, right. I just feel like um, we both – for like our awards, we had Tom Brady either. I think you either had him winning MVP, but I think I had him like winning like offensive player of the year or something like that. I had um, Russ winning MVP. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had Tom Brady winning offensive player of the year and man, I'll tell you what, like just to see like the level of like drop off in play, like it's not saying like he's been like, like just like, uh, He's age just, is catching up to him. Yeah, I mean, age is definitely catching up to him. But I'm like, like I think, yes, the turnovers is like one of those things that everybody's going to highlight. But I think it's just the decision making that I think is mu- more so mind boggling to me. Because it's but like I think the, the decision making, but also the offensive scheme he's in. I mean, you look at James Winston true. last year, like guy threw for 40 touchdowns, but 40 interceptions as well too. Because Bruce Arian really just likes to go deep, just verticals, just go deep the whole time and. Tom Brady get and age and when I say age caught up to him, his his arms starting to become a little noodle. So. Yeah, and, but I mean like when I think of Tom Brady, I don't think of a dude who's trying to chuck it like 40, exactly. 30 yards. I think of a guy who dinks and dunks, and which 
everybody's going to say like, oh, all he does is think and dunk. But I'm like, if it works, it works. Like throw it to the check down. Like if you throw it to the check down and get the easy yardage, then that's fine. Like he's slow, he's methodical, but at the same time, Tim Duncan was what? Mr. Fundamental. So, I mean, like you think of the same thing with Tom Brady. Like he's and not. And he had the weapons to go short as well too. Exactly. He's not like this crazy athletic quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not. Deshaun Watson. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not none of these these guys, these up-and-coming guys. He's that pocket-passing quarterback who sits there and breaks down the defense and analyzes the field and makes the right decision. But it's just been kind of weird, and I think it kind of just shows how much it was important that he was in that system with the Patriots and how you look how the, ever since they split apart that both teams really haven't been the same like the Patriots are still week by week basis trying to see like if they can you know get the best out of Cam Newton and they're doing a bunch of jerk plays and they're doing a bunch of like just they're throwing anything at the wall and trying to see if it just works and sticks meanwhile like like you said with Tampa Bay like Tom Brady like he's got all the weapons more weapons than he's ever had and yet, it's this is like probably by far his worst season of recent memory for everybody. And they're just like looking at this guy, and they're just like, "That is not the Tom Brady I remember." And it's just, it just gives me vibes of Peyton Manning in his final season. And it's just like, that's not the guy I remember watching tear it up in Indianapolis. Like that's not the same guy I remember tearing it up in New England in Tom Brady. And it's just like, what did Peyton Manning do his last season though? He won, he, a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. he won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, hey. On the backs of that defense, hey. for sure. But but at the end of the day, like, if that happens, I guarantee you Tom will be laughing at the fact that, like, you know, he threw, like, double-digit picks or whatever and still was able to get a chip. So, at the end of the day, it's all about getting the championship. So, Yep. All right, let's move on. We got the NBA now. NBA preseason is right around the corner, which is – insane for me to like think about but to say it out loud is pretty insane less than four days away the nba preseason is back and it's insane to think that adam silver and the nba pulled off the shortest off season in the big four american leagues history we're talking about the nba the nfl mlb and the nhl it was a 71 day off season from mid-october to early december and for such a short off season in my opinion the nba did not disappoint i think the nba is the most intriguing and exciting league when it comes to team transactions so like you, you talk about the nba trade deadline you talk about the nba offseason i think the nba is undefeated when it comes to that against the nhl the nfl the the yeah. mlb just because there's there's so there's so much turnover that happens in the nba and right like, the players and play i think player empowerment yeah like absolutely they, absolutely they, they have so much that they can basically control their their uh, destiny in and what team they want to play for, which we'll get into in a bit. But I mean, in a free in a off season where free agency was quote unquote weak, not like what we're used to with like the Kawhi's, the LeBrons, the ADs, the the Giannis, which is coming up next year. So I mean, we still had the Chris Paul trade to the mm. Phoenix Suns. We had the Westbrook John Wall trade. We had the NBA draft. We had the OKC's Thunder stacking up more and more and more and more personal picks. And then obviously we had the defending champions in the Los Angeles Lakers getting better. <laughs> and which is insane to say. Uh Corey, I mean, what are your thoughts on the NBA being right around the corner, man? Uh it's it's pretty crazy when you really think about it because it's only been like, what, two, three, four, five months? Like, I think it's been like two, three months. 
something like that. It's Since, been little over two months. Yeah, so, October to early December. So I mean, like the Lakers literally just lifted a, a championship, and now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, get ready to tip off. Season's about to be right around the corner. So um, on one end, I think like this first month is going to be sloppy. Like it's going to be really weird. I think you're going to see like um, teams that you don't normally see, like obviously um, ahead and and racking up wins early on and like the the veteran teams might have like a slow start just because it takes a little while for them to like get gelling but um I'm really intrigued to see what some of these new acquisitions do on these new teams I'm really interested to see what these new teams look like that are supposed to be you know on and popping like you said the Phoenix Suns also the Atlanta Hawks really interested to see what these teams are going to be looking like and especially I'm intrigued to see what Zion season two looks like because I mean at the end of the day uh I'm, I'm just intrigued by this new playoff format which we also are gonna see this year which now provides opportunity to uh the ninth and tenth seeds to get in into the playoffs potentially love it. Love so it. it just adds another dynamic and especially now like with the shortened season of only 72 games I know 10 games less which isn't that much of a you know shortened season but i think it still is going to make a difference at the end of the way at the end of the day i actually think that the veterans are going to start off a little better than some of these younger guys because if you think about especially the rookies no summer league for them Mm -hmm. and plus a shortened preseason it's gonna be a reality check for them when they're playing at the tempo of the nba level i'm just just hoping that we don't see like any like crazy injuries like come off because like, well, I, like, I mean, that's why that's why the NBA is fortunate to still have a preseason, unlike the NFL did. Yeah. So, I mean, they can still they still have like three to four games to get acclimated uh, playing against other competition. And it's not just scrimmages within practice. Yeah, because I think like one of the worst things that uh, could happen is like what we saw with Gordon Hayward opening night a few years ago. Like if that happens like straight up for like a few teams with especially with um, some of their veteran guys or some of their uh, marquee guys like. Imagine if, like, AD goes down, like, with a broken leg or something like that. On Laker fans, you better turn – to mute this <laughs> no, podcast just, real no, quick because I know you I'm don't want to hear I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If that happens, then, I mean, it's like, yo, like, kiss Corey. any kiss – any, Corey's putting voodoo in the air. <laughs> any chance of you trying to repeat goodbye if AD goes down, like, with a serious long-term injury, bro? Like, please. I just hope that none of that stuff happens. And I'm, I'm just really hoping that we can at least get – at least majority of the season with ha- without having to deal with the injury bug, but also without the COVID situation too, because Dr. Right. Rivers even mentioned, mentioned it, new coach of the 76ers. Now he mentioned like, you know, at least with the NFL, like if a you know team gets hit with COVID, you know, you have like a few days and it's like, you only play like once a week with the NBA, they're playing like two, three, you know, games within the span of one week. So, I mean, like, how is that going to like necessarily work? Are they going like, to have to reschedule? Are they going to pause? Like, how's that going to work? And they have, you know, different guidelines in play. They have um, rules in play. Like players cannot, you know, be at lounges or they can't be at bars. And, you know, they put these rules in play to keep everybody safe. But I mean, at the end of the day, we know dudes was breaking rules in the bubble. So I mean, like, is it going to be really all that shocking when we find out dudes break rules now that they had the freedom to go out and about and into the world, I mean, come on. 
Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. But I think in such a short offseason, all the stories we kind of touched on, I think the biggest one has got to be the James Harden drama. I mean, missing practices, workouts. I mean, Up in first the club. Of all, yeah, <laughs> James Harden and the Rockets continue to have little success in the playoffs. And Harden isn't getting any younger. Lucky for him, he still looks like he'll be in his prime for a while with what he's been doing recently. Oh, man. But, but he wants to make the most of it. And I think the biggest rumor surrounding John, James Harden was getting traded to the Brooklyn Nets after they had acquired Katie and Kyrie last season in free agency. And Daryl Morey got sacked and now he's in Philadelphia. The Rockets brought in a new GM in Raphael Stone and doesn't seem like he's giving much attention on moving on from James Harden, but instead he's trying to make moves to try to keep Harden in Houston. And he, I mean, he wasn't shy this offseason in his first season as the general manager. Brought in a brand new head coach in Steven Silas, uh, who was the Mavericks assistant. He unloaded Robert Covington and he acquired Christian Wood, signed DeMarcus Cousins, and traded Russell Westbrook for John Wall. And they even reported to have offered James Harden $50 million per year uh, contract extension that he ended up declining. So, I mean, the Rockets did all this, and James Harden still hasn't reported to any team practices or individual workouts. And uh, even the new head coach said that there's no timetable as far as I know in regards to Harden's return. So, I mean, Corey, what do you make of all this Harden drama down in H-Town? Well, if you look at it from James Harden's perspective, you're coming off another year of, you know, same old, same old, doing what you do in the regular season, dominating. Um, you know, putting up some crazy stats, crazy numbers, um, but then getting into the postseason and getting knocked out by a better team. You know, before it was getting knocked out by the Warriors, um, before, and then, then this year obviously getting knocked out by the Lakers. And um, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of just tired of it. I feel like he's just kind of like, yo, I've been here, I've done that. And he's already looking at the writing on the wall. Like, let's be honest. If we look at this roster for the Houston Rockets, well, yes, like you just mentioned, they did everything possible to try to reshape, retool this team. Is this team realistically going deep in the playoffs? Is this team really going to be able to outshine the Lakers? I just don't see how uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who, you know, we don't even know what he's going to look like. We don't know what John Wall's going to look like. We don't Both know. coming off Achilles tears and exactly. DeMarcus Cousins' ACL as well, too. And we don't know what the coaching is going to be like of Steven Silas either. And for, you know, Steven Silas, I mean, like he's already being put in a bad position already where your star player is missing. And, you know, we only got like a few days before we got to tip off the season. And he's been asked questions about like, where's James Harden at? And like, what do you think about it? It's like, hey, y'all gonna have to talk to him about that <laughs> and kind of just deflect it. But, you know, if I'm looking at this from Harden's perspective, why would I be in any hurry to get back to Houston? Why would I be in any hurry to try to mesh with this team? Why would I be in any hurry to try to make this work when I already see the writing on the wall and I already see what's going to happen? But to me, to me, I don't see how going to Brooklyn is going to be a better situation for, for at least James Harden. Now, if he's solely focused on just winning, on just trying to win, then I could understand wanting to go onto that team, wanting to go back and play with KD and try to see if you can build a partnership up with Kyrie Irving. But 
we'll get into this a little bit later, but I just don't know if Brooklyn is going to be as good as everybody thinks that they are. I feel like with James Harden, I know that he just wants to win, and I know that he's tired of getting his butt kicked in the West. And so maybe going to a new team is just what he needs to kind of, like, find that motivation because I don't think he's motivated right now. And we've seen what a motivated James Harden can do, obviously winning an MVP. Um, and, and that one year, if Chris Paul just wouldn't have got hurt, if Chris Paul wouldn't have got hurt, I think they get to the finals that year. And I don't know if they win it necessarily, but it would have been a lot more intriguing seeing the Rockets go up against the Cavs than obviously what we saw with the Warriors sweeping the Cavs. But yeah. I, I just think that, like, with Harden, man, I feel like after that that one season where they got that close and they missed those shots and couldn't get the job done and got closed out and had to watch yet again the Warriors go and win another championship – uh, that kind of demoralized them. And that team really just never was the same after that one opportunity. And it's like, it's pretty crazy in the NBA how quickly things turn around. It's like one moment you're competing for a championship, you think you're contending, you think you got, you know, two, three years, whatever window. You don't know what could happen next year. You don't know where these guys are going to be going and what team is going to come and just – like like how we're talking about with Atlanta, how we're talking about with Phoenix, like that has been like that took time for them to get into this situation where they can be a playoff contender. That took time for them to be able to, you know, get in the mix now. So now the turnover in the NBA is so quick. I mean, we talk about how much turnover there is in the NFL as far as like teams getting good and teams going from good to bad or to average. So I don't think the Rockets are going to be a bad team this year, but I, I still think that they'll make the playoffs because they still have James Harden. Now, however long they have him, we'll wait and see. But at the end of the day, I just feel like James Harden is not motivated to want to go out and help this team win. I think he was disappointed that he didn't get traded. I think he's disappointed that he had to watch as Russell Westbrook got traded and by all intents and purposes, Russell Westbrook seems happy. He seems like he's raring to go. He seems like he's happy to be a part of the Washington Wizards and see what he can do with them. Meanwhile, James Harden is just like, yo, I'm just sitting up in this congested Western Conference hoping and praying I can get the hell up out of here. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't help that James Harden has been seen on social media going to events and parties and stuff like that, and even his mom – came out on social media and he she basically said quote he's doing what's best for his career please pay attention and understand he's worked hard every time he suited up for the job giving 210 percent he asked for a chance to get a ring that's it anyone in their right mind in this business would want that so i mean it's just the drama is intensifying and we'll kind of have to see how things pan out in houston but in a short off season, I mean, there's still a lot of moves. So let's go through some of our best and worst moves that we thought had happened by some of these teams. So let's go with best off season moves so far. Corey, who you got? Uh, I feel like the Lakers somehow, like you said, got better coming off a championship year. You expect there to be some rust. You expect them to, you know, kind of just throw out the same team, but credit to Rob Palenka in the front office, man. They went out and signed a real backup point guard. Not saying Rondo's not a real backup, but I think that he just isn't at the same top-tier level. If this was Rondo a few years ago, then, I mean, 
come on. But they got Dennis Schroeder, they got Wesley Matthews, and they were somehow able to get Mark Gasol back in a Laker uniform. I mean, that's just amazing to me that they were able to pull off that. And I think one of the negatives I would say is that they signed Montrez Harold, which was a player that they didn't really need, to be honest with you, and a player that I'm not really sure if he's going to be able to fit into that system because I don't really see how you can get Montrez Harold and Anthony Davis on the floor, especially when it's like a crunch time situation. Because, I mean, if you need to, to – as far as just like spacing-wise and as far as like on the defensive end, I'm just not sure like how that's going to work, but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it does. Maybe, you know, they're able to, to figure it out. But overall, I just like the moves of getting two guys in Dennis Schroeder and Wesley Matthews Matthews, who I think is an upgrade on Danny Green, I feel like stealing him off another team that's trying to vie for a, a championship in the Bucks, and being able to get a guy who can just be a perfect, perfect sit in the corner and be ready to shoot for LeBron James as he drives inside. He can just kick out to Wes Matthews on the, in the corner, on the perimeter, and he could just knock down shots. And I feel like that's going to be a big addition for the Lakers. And then Gasol, I think he adds a presence down the middle. And he you want to talk about, uh, you know, being able to still pass the ball. I mean, he's not obviously in the prime that he was when he was back in Memphis, but he's still able to facilitate. He's still able to get the ball inside. He's still able to get the ball where it needs to be. And I think him and LeBron are just going to be poetry in motion. Those two are going to have a lot of fun just passing the ball all up and down the court. And, uh, yeah, man, on paper, the Lakers look really, really scary with these upgrades. Yeah, they for sure do. That, I mean, I think that's one of the first times I've heard that Montrez Herald was a bad signing because, I mean, given the contract that he got versus what he was valued at in the offseason, I think the Lakers got a steal in him. And I think Rob – or sorry, not Rob. Well, first of all, I want to say shout-out to Rich Paul because I feel like he was, <laughs> he was the master behind all these puppets in Rob Palenka. So, Rich Paul yeah. and, and the GM over there. Of in course, the of course. But – um. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, like you said, crazy. They won a championship, and they just got better. So, I mean, everybody in the NBA should be shook and should be fearing the Lakers. Um, But my best offseason move, I'm going to go with the Pelicans and their return for trading Drew Holiday. The New Orleans Pelicans took advantage of a desperate Milwaukee Bucks team, and it showed big time. Drew Holiday was dealt to the Bucks for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three first round picks and pick swaps. So, I mean, the Bucks arguably have the best player in the league who is set to be a free agent after this upcoming season in Giannis. So they're trying everything and rightfully so to, to build a better team around him, to try to get him to stay in Milwaukee. And the Pelicans knew about this, that they were in this situation and decided to finesse the hell out of the Bucks. And I mean, this, if you look back, this is kind of the same thing that the Thunders did to the Clippers in the Paul George trade. They said, if you get Paul George, you get Kawhi and basically said you're trading for both of them and finesse them for damn near all their first round picks. So the Pelicans kind of said the same thing. They said, you're trading for Drew Holiday and Giannis to stay. So essentially making them give us two solid point guards and a lot of picks behind that as well, too. So I think the Pelicans finessing the Bucks that was the best offseason move. And we're not even mentioning the Pelicans team, <laughs> how, how they're looking on paper as well. 
All right, let's move on to the worst offseason move. I'm going to go with the Hornets giving Gordon Hayward $120 million over four years. I I like the fact that the Hornets are taking a shot on Gordon Hayward because they literally have nothing to lose. But four years, $120 million? First of all, give Gordon Hayward's agent a prize, a Nobel Prize or something because he is a master finesser. I mean, you're giving... 30 mil a year to someone who averaged 17 and a half points per game. I mean, we all know his shooting splits were actually really, really good last year, but, and we all used to know the player he used to be before his injury, but four years, you're basically lined up his contract with LaMelo balls. Who was there? Who was a third pick in the draft. And that could hurt them down the line in future off seasons. And if, if they're trying to contend, especially like you have this guy, Signed for thirty million a year. That's a big chunk of your cap space you're eating right there. One hundred percent. Because I I didn't I didn't like it, but like you said, they had to do something this offseason, and they had to be a little bit adventurous. Because at the same time, like you look at like what they could have done. Like maybe they tried to get Christian Wood in. Uh, maybe they tried to you know. I thought they would actually go after Montrez Hero. Yeah, or maybe they try to go after Trez or something like that. Like, you know, because uh, they definitely are the notoriously known for getting big men or, like, forwards. But it seems like... Bismack, Bismack Biombo. Yeah, it seems like uh, Detroit has taken over as big men town or the the kings of getting big men in the nba they're, they're the new new york knicks because that was the knicks last year they had about like what six or seven power forwards on that team yeah, so now that that's basically the the pistons with big as men. far as like the hornets like i, I get like you you trying to make a splash and trying to get um some guys in because like i said like with the new rules and like with the new re- reshaping of the postseason potentially this could be a team that could be vying for a, one of those spots that maybe they try to get into the uh, postseason this year. Um, I mean, we'll have to wait and see and see how that goes, but dedicating a four year contract to a guy who had a major injury and you don't really know what he's going to be. And he's already seeming if as if he's well, well, well past his prime. I just don't know MJ. I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 rooting for the guy. I mean, I still think that it's crazy, but I'm rooting for him to go back to his old ways, which is a possibility for yeah. Gordon Hayward. But it's more I feel like it's more risk than reward, but for sure. And that's why I have it as my worst offseason move. What's yours, Corey? I'm gonna go with the Bucks. I feel like the big, big, big you wanna talk about finesse. They thought that they were about to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, and he said yeah, you thought, you thought, you thought wrong. But man, them not being able to secure that signing trade of Bogdan Bogdanovich was like a complete 180 on their offseason. Because if they would have secured him, you want to talk about being able to upgrade on Eric Bledsoe and George Hill and signing Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich, that would have been at least something that you can show Giannis and be like, look, we tried. We tried to get you something, try to upgrade something. We gave you two guys way better than George Hill who can't make a free throw in the clutch and, and Eric Bledsoe who can't shoot. So, I mean, Drew Holiday, I feel like is a dog, but if it was, if it's just Drew Holiday that you can hang your hat on, that's like, okay, cool. But what else you got for me? And like them not being able to get bogged done, man, that's, that's tough. 
and him going to Atlanta, I feel like that was a huge, huge, huge uh, just miscue by the Bucks. And I feel like if they slip up, that's going to be maybe a decision that they look back on and they probably maybe reflect and think like, man, maybe if we were just able to get Bogdan, maybe we could have kept Giannis. But yeah. I don't know. I feel personally like uh, the Bucks just could have done more. I feel like, yes, they don't have a whole lot that they can go off of. And yes, they don't want to give up Middleton and they don't want to give anybody that's a part of their key core. But I mean, dang, like you let Wes Matthews go. You let so many different guys leave out of your core group already. I mean, like, I'm surprised they didn't try to flip Middleton for something better. Yeah, I mean, one bright spot is they brought Tory Craig in, which I did like that signing. Yeah, I did. But, I mean, yeah, getting uh, a shooter like Bogdanovich would have been huge for a guy like Giannis, just a guy who could just stand out there. And, and, I, and, I, and, I like and he the could trade. create his own shot. And I like the trade that they even posed, too. Like, Bogdan, they would have gotten Bogdan, and they would have gave up um, DiVincenzo, which, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the Sacramento Kings had to get rid of Bogdan Bogdanovich because he wasn't going to re-sign with them which we obviously saw. And I felt like them getting- I think it was a huge L taken by the Kings too, because even though he, he he signed with the Hawks, they literally got nothing, nothing for exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. the Kings are going to be the Kings. I mean, exactly. Like, they would have at least gotten DiVincenzo in that deal too. So, I mean, that, at least they would have uh, gave him something for their guy, De'Aaron Fox, who now just lost one of his best players on his team. So now, like, I don't know. I just feel like that whole situation – um, Bogdan really like screwed the Bucks with that one for sure. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about teams that we think will be overrated this season. Who's the team you got? I kind of teased it a little bit, but like everybody that I know, everybody I know, even the even my boss at my job, he's already telling me he's going out and buying Brooklyn Nets gear, and I'm like, bro, you might want to return that because you're gonna be disappointed this season. I'm like, I'm telling you right now. Just looking on paper, you look at their two main players, KD and Kyrie, and I get it. Everybody's going to be like, yo, KD, Kyrie, like, come on. How can these guys not dominate? But we looked at how Kyrie was playing with the Brooklyn Nets, and when Kyrie left, they seemed to play better and more as a team because if you look at the year before Kyrie got there, when they had D'Angelo Russell, they had a little bit more – they, they understood – everybody knew what their role was. Everybody – they had more of an identity. With Kyrie, it's kind of just like watch Kyrie go off and watch Kyrie go crazy. And so I don't know who out of those two, KD and Kyrie, is going to be the leader because we've seen throughout both these guys' careers, neither one of them has been able to as – as, as like, hey, this is my team – be able to go out and and fully dominate. I mean, even when Kevin Durant was with the Warriors, people forget that was still Stephen Curry's team. But at the end of the day, now KD has to show that, like, look, I'm with the star, yes, and Kyrie, which, interesting, another point guard. But I'm just curious to see, like, if this is going to end up being another Russell Westbrook situation. Like, is this going to be a situation where we look at this Brooklyn Nets team, we think that they're going to be something, and then lo and behold, we get disappointed. And I'm feeling already, like, people are already hyping this team up. I'm seeing people saying that they're going to be the top team in the East. People are saying that they're going to be the team to beat in the East. 
And I'm like, we don't even know if KD is the same KD. Like, I mean, like he suffered an Achilles tear. So I'm, I'm just, I'm telling everybody, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm not saying they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think that people just need to pump the brakes a little bit and they need to realize that chemistry matters. And what has been one of the worst things that we've seen with any team that has signed Kyrie Irving, the chemistry goes out the window when he's on the floor because the dude just thinks he's better than what he is. That's not to say that Kyrie's not a top-tier player, not a, a clutch player, not somebody who can hit shots and has been able to make crazy play after crazy play throughout his career. But it's just the attitude and his thinking is just that I'm just curious also – when is Kyrie going to like go off on Steve Nash? Cause I'm expecting that to happen. I'm expecting him to cuss out Steve Nash. I'm expecting Steve Nash to get a rude awakening as a first year head coach. And just also the fact that like Kyrie was saying that like, we don't need a head coach. Katie could be a coach. I could be a coach. I just don't think that people understand that this team is going to be overrated and that's fine, but I'm just going to sit back and just wait and see like, Hey, if they don't end up being what everybody thought they'd be, I'm just going to be like, look, I already knew that was going to happen because this is a 2K team. This is a team that looks dope on 2K and, you know, can have fun with. And then especially if they add hard into this mix, like you got three guys who are going to be ball dominant. And I'm like, how's that going to work? There's only one ball. The only bright spot I would say for the Nets that not a lot of people are talking about is they will have one of the deepest and best benches in the league. Cause like basically all their starters that, I mean, they made the playoffs last year and obviously KD didn't play and all the starters that were there, uh, they, they basically are just moved to the bench. So, I mean, they, and they, they were, they were given uh, some of the guys a run for their money in the Eastern conference. So we'll see how that happens. Um, the team I'm going to go with the most overrated, it was, this was a little tough for me, but I'm going to have to go with the Toronto Raptors. I think they had a priority this offseason in re-sign Fred Van Fleet, which they did, so shout out to them. But I think with signing Fred Van Fleet, they lost their two big men in uh, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, who both headed to L.A., and they salvaged it by signing Aaron Baines. But, I, I mean, I think the damage was done when they lost those bigs. Because really, when you look at it, Next to Siakam, you want someone who can – you don't want Siakam running the five because you, you want you don't want to overexert him on defense. So you want a big who can rim protect and rebound, which was exactly what Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka was doing alongside Siakam. And you want to allow Siakam to exert his energy more offensively, especially because he's such a special power forward, Siakam I'm talking about, because he he's a playmaker and he create offense for himself which we don't see unless your name is Giannis Antetokounmpo um you know Anthony Davis or uh Pascal Siakam so I think I they they did a good job by salvaging it with Aaron Baines but it's just not going to be enough and to be honest Kyle Lowry isn't getting any younger either and I don't think they missed the playoffs but I just I, I don't think they'll have home court advantage in the playoffs I see them being as one of the bottom four seeds in the uh Eastern Conference after seeing them being at the top three all these years and winning a championship as well too but then again they do have Nick Nurse who I think is one of the best head coaches in the league right now but I just think they're going to take a step back a big step back 
I think they take a step back. Um, I, I just think, like like you were saying, like I'm just not sure how much of a step back it's going to be. Like, I'm not sure they're going to be necessarily bottom four. Um, I think they could range from being uh, four, fifth, sixth. That's what I would say. Um, I just feel like with this team, they're missing a guy. Like, they're missing a guy. Like, they're missing someone who could take that pressure off Siakam. Like, Kawhi leaving, like, people don't realize, like, that – that opened the window of opportunity for guys, yes, but it put the pressure on guys too. Because when you have a guy like Kawhi, when you have a guy like Kevin Durant, I remember Traymond Green saying, like, uh, when KD was on the team, they just would sit back and just on most nights just be like, well, Kevin, go ahead, go off and <laughs> go off and <laughs> do you, bro. But when KD went down, it was almost like, yo, like, we don't have that security blanket no more. We kind of have to actually go out and play. So it's the same thing that I saw last season. And there were a lot of games, and especially in the postseason, where Siakam disappeared, Kyle Lowry disappeared, and Fran Van Vliet disappeared. So, I mean, if this is uh, their main three that they're going with for this season, and we don't know what's going to happen next year with uh, Kyle Lowry. Maybe they move on from him. Maybe they try to flip and get uh, something – try to get like somebody else in into the fold. Maybe they, you know, allow OG Ananobi to kind of allow himself to step in and become the new big OG. three uh, with Van Fleet. Yeah. <laughs> with Van Fleet, Siakam and OG. But at the same time, I, I feel like this team um, is versatile, but I think that we can't discount the fact that they do have chemistry with each other. This team did win a championship with each other. And, but, they are going to miss their bigs. They are going to miss the fact that not only are those bigs um, good for defense, but they were great for offense. You want to talk about Serge Ibaka, who can come in and be able to stretch the floor and hit outside shots. Marcus saw his versatility of being able to pass the ball and distribute and be able to be a playmaker and almost like a similar thing to Nikola Jokic. Um, I feel like that's going to be a big loss for them and that's going to hurt them hard. And I feel like they're not going to be necessarily the same team, but it's just a matter of like, can they still uh, have that winning mentality that they've developed these past few seasons? And are they going to be that, that, that team that was able to go on and win the championship a couple of years ago, or are they going to be the team that like last year flames out in the postseason? I think it's going to be the latter instead of uh, them going on another championship run, unfortunately for Toronto. And they also are going to be playing in Florida, so not going to be playing in their home state, uh, home country. So, I mean, that's a Yeah, and I think just the reason why I have them overrated as well, too, because I think so many of the teams in the East have gotten better and they actually got worse. So that that's why I have them as overrated. And one of the teams I did think got a lot better, which is the team that I think is going to be underrated this season and make the playoffs, is the Atlanta Hawks. I'm ready for this team to make a big leap in the Eastern Conference. I mean, first of all, Trey Young coming off a phenomenal sophomore season that I feel like nobody's really nobody really talked about it. I mean, almost 30 points a game, four rebounds no. a game, and almost 10 assists a game while shooting 43% from the field, 36 from three, and 86 from the free throw. This team went out 
and splurged in free agency and they got one of the best mentors for Trey Young's at the point guard position and Rondo a defensive hound in Chris Dunn to hide Trey Young's defensive liability they got a sharpshooter in Bogdanovich like mm-hmm. we talked about and they got a veteran and possibly I think one of the most underrated guys at his position in Daniel Galnari and then they drafted Oneka Okongu which is shout out Chino Hills with the sixth pick so and not to mention, they didn't lose anybody significant either. This team has John Collins still, nope. Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Add those with the other names I said. This team, I mean, their starting unit may not be on par with some of the, the powerhouses in the Eastern Conference, like the Nets, the Bucks, but their bench could be argued as one of the best in the entire league. So I think Lloyd Pierce has his work cut out with him with this shortened offseason. But he definitely has the pieces to make the playoffs and possibly make some noise in the playoffs as well, too. Yeah, I think um, the Hawks definitely look like a really good, fun team on paper, for sure. Um, I just feel like with the Hawks, though, they'll be in the conversation. I'm just not sure if they'll be able to break through, similar to the Suns of last year. I feel like the Suns surprised everybody with how they went off in the bubble, but they just weren't able to get through um, and I just feel like that might be like the Hawks. I feel like they'll be in that like you know, ten, nine, eight range. But I don't. That's the Western Conference sure is the Eastern in. Conference. That 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 that's where the yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, where the exactly, big difference exactly. is between the conferences. Like we have the top six teams from each conference, which is pretty stacked. But then come that seven, eight, nine, ten, the West, like even down to twelve in the West, are probably better than the seven, eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten in the East. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, you know, you got teams like the Bulls, the Hornets, and stuff like that, who they could, like, beat if they met up in, like, a place uh, and met up in the playoffs. But overall, I'm just, I'm just not sure. Like, I feel like they still got a little bit ways to go. And, like, like you said, like, with the shortening of the offseason, that really hurts them. But, like you said, I feel like the Rondo signing was a big time signing for them because he's going to be a big mentor for. Uh, Trey Young and I think the thing that I'm just looking for with Trey Young is I mean you mentioned like the dude had the numbers but I just I don't know I mean I just need to see a little bit more effort on the defensive end which I mean is tough because I mean he's like he's undersized and you know he's going up against guys who are you know top tier point guards well, the thing is shout night, out to so. the Atlanta Hawks front office for realizing that. it's not like they were trying to like hide that okay he's one of the best point guards in the league and his defense is okay like they went out and got Chris Dunn because they know how much of a defensive liability Trey Young is so it's like Chris Young can literally guard the one through three even though his height six fours like this dude is a dog on the defensive end yeah, and I was pretty surprised Chicago let him go. But I mean, and especially given the hey, contract that he signed with Atlanta, that was very team friendly. Extremely, but the team I'm gonna go with for underrated is a team that I feel, man, this 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 is their their opportunity to really show me something, especially after what they did uh, in the bubble last year, and that's the Portland Trailblazers. I feel Damian Lillard really put on a show in the bubble and literally carried the team on his back wheeled that team into the postseason, was able to get them uh, a game against the Lakers and really like, hey, I mean, he, he he smacked the Lakers in that first game. And, I mean, he really took it to them. But all in all, like, they just didn't have enough. Like, they got Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, they went out and got 
a steal with that trade and again uh, with the Houston Rockets and they were able to get uh, Robert Covington. I think that was a big acquisition for them getting Covington because like, I feel like Covington, um, he had to play big last season and he had to play sometimes as their center for the, for the Rockets. And I saw him like so many different times would come from behind and just block guys who were two, three, uh, sometimes even like a full on foot taller than him. Uh, he was blocking dudes' shots like crazy. So I feel like defensively, he's going to improve that Portland Trailblazers team. And then offensively, the dude is money from beyond the arc. So this just gives Dame and CJ just something to not have to always feel like they have to do all the work, do everything. And I've been saying, I'm, I've been saying that like, similarly to how the Wizards broke up Bradley Beal and John Wall, I have been thinking, like, hey, maybe it's time to break up Dame and CJ. Maybe they go out and trade uh, CJ McCollum because this just ain't it. But to Portland's credit, they were like, look, we're going to roll it out. Uh, we're going to run it back yet again with Dame and CJ as our two head honchos. And, you know, we're going to see what happens. But all in all, I'm curious to see what this Portland Trailblazers team does because um, especially if they can stay healthy, like, they have a really solid team all around, and I feel like they just have a team that is going to be a team that you don't want to see in that first round in the playoffs because we even saw, like, with the Lakers, and and, and yes, to their credit, they were able to get past them, but that first game definitely gave Laker fans a big-time scare and had them thinking, like, yo, what the hell is going on? Yeah, and, I mean, this bench unit is so good as well. I think Anthony Simons is going to take – that jump as a backup point guard uh, to Damian Lillard. And we saw what Gary Trent Jr. was doing in the bubble, lighting it up. And then, yeah, getting Derek Jones Jr. I thought they paid, like, kind of overpaid for him. Then you still got Melo, and you uh, actually braided Melo. I don't know if you saw my mm-hmm. homeboy got the braids back. So yep. I don't know what that the means for the trail I don't players. know. I don't know. Hey, we'll back they, to the Syracuse and the Nuggets days. Hey, everybody was hyping up Hoodie Melo, but maybe braided Melo is, is where it's at. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. And then, yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said Robert Covington, I thought was one of the most uh, underrated signings of the season or trades of the season. And um, and the, the big thing is they lost Hassan Whiteside, who was here and there with his effort on the court. But, I mean, they went out and they brought back Ennis Cancer, who's very familiar with this team. And then they also got in Harry Giles, which I think is a really low-risk, high-reward. Because mm-hmm. if you look back at his high school and his college days as well, dude was a dog. It's just injuries, injuries, injuries. So, I mean, if he can get back to those days, oof, they got to steal. Yeah. I mean, and you're not even looking for, like, Harry Giles to be what he was in high school or – you know, in the, in the early stages of what he was in college, you're just looking for Harry Giles to be solid for you and just be a guy who can, like, you know, similarly to, like, Simi Ojale or uh, Robert Williams or something like that for the Celtics. Like, you just want to have depth. You want to have guys who can, like, give you as a coach, like, consideration of, like, hey, I got to maybe start giving this dude some more minutes because this dude plays hard and this dude just – he just balls out. So I think that the the – the Trailblazers are definitely going to be vying for um, a, a, a certified playoff spot. Like I'm looking for them to be like within that four or five range, depending on what really State, depending on what Golden State does. Like I feel like Golden State is the they're like the flip of a coin because Golden State could easily be back to the being the top tier team, even despite the Clay Thompson injury. I mean, 
people forget, like they did pick up Kelly Oubre. Um, they could still be up there as far as like a top four team in the Western Conference. But if that doesn't happen, I feel like maybe you could throw the Portland Trailblazers in that mix, to be honest with you, because they had one of the best off seasons. They have one of the best, not only point guards in the league, but one of the best players in the league in Damian Lillard. And if, if that all, if that mix of players comes back together and they, and they still have that same energy, that same, you know, ruggedness, that same willingness to go out there and try to, you know, compete and win a championship. I mean, Hey, Portland really might be that team that you don't want to see. Like I said, you don't want to see that team in the first round because that is going to be a tough, tough team that you're going to have to play. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting because the West is stacked. I mean, they barely made the playoffs last year, and then we got teams coming back healthy. So we shall see how because because I think I think this is this could be if things don't work out like you said this could be the last year of the Dame and CJ I think they're they're gonna have to blow it up because what is the point of just okay one more year okay one more year okay one more year like they they're gonna get frustrated yeah and I and I just feel like when you look at the Western Conference it's 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 really entertaining when you think about it you got the Pelicans you got the Suns you got Memphis who for a good majority of last year had that eight seed. And then, like, you just think about this. Like, it's just going to be wild. Like, I can't wait to see what the West is going to be looking like. But overall, I can't wait just to see what NBA – what NBA in 2020 is going to be looking like, uh, especially with this whole pandemic thing going on. Like, uh, I'm just curious to see what, what's, what's going to be going on. Are players going to follow the the guidelines? Are teams going to be following the rules, the guidelines? And – Hopefully, can we stay COVID free for the majority of the season? And honestly, man, I just I just want to see what this is going to look like, and, and can we uh, get that uh, that Levar Ball MJ one on one going on? This uh, this man said you have to pay what two hundred million dollars to see that. Or yo, something? that's yo, that's that'd be yeah. We already seen like the craziest pay per view of twenty twenty. I, I can guarantee you that'd be the craziest pay per view of twenty twenty one. Yeah, Absolutely. We it'd be funny. But before we end things, we want to do on this day. I mean, we got a shortened NBA season this year. And back in 2011, the NBA and the Players Union reached a financial agreement to end the 161-day lockout, shortening the season by 16 games on December 8th. So, I mean, shortening season, shortened season, 2011, 2029 years apart. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, season is going to be. Especially, like, with the rookies, man. I'm really excited to see what some of these rookies do. I'm really excited to see, like, some of the guys who I don't really know a whole, a whole lot about what they do. Obviously, everybody's got eyes on LaMelo Ball and uh, Anthony Edwards and uh, Obi Toppin. But I'm curious to see, like, who's going to be that, that no-name guy who pops out of nowhere and just, like, yo – this dude might be the steal of the draft. And the fact that we didn't have a March Madness for this draft class, that's the crazy part. Because if you think about it, March Madness helped so many of these players' uh, draft stocks rise. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo, dude balled out in the last two games of the NCAA tournament. And lo and behold, he became a first-rounder for the Bucks. So we're going to have to see. I think this is a, a big season for the rookies to really show the the USA that what type of player they are and put them put their names on the map but pretty much that's gonna wrap it up uh we're back baby episode 
53. We're going to be coming at y'all every Tuesday. Make sure you guys are following us on our social media, Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram, the nosebleeds. Facebook, check us out. Just look up the nosebleeds podcast. And then make sure uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a five-star rating. really helps us out. Write a review if you're feeling generous. Corey, any last words? Oh, make sure you guys check us out on Instagram. We're going to be going live Friday. So just check us out on there. We're going to have some, you know, interesting topics to go over. And, you know, if you guys want to shoot us any questions, be sure to shoot us some questions on our social media as well. Like Chris said, um, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever the case may be, just shoot us your questions and we'll see if we can get those answered for you in our live on Friday. Yes, sir. And that we out deuces.